Good morning, Northeast. A big shout out to those of you joining us online. Welcome back to our series, Live, Die, Give. We're in the middle portion of our series, unpacking the gospel's call in our lives to die to self. In this call then, this morning we're going to be asking and answering a really critical question, a question that all of us face, if not weekly, then monthly, if not daily, then weekly, right? If not daily, maybe moment by moment for you. It's this question, why is it that sometimes I feel like I'm walking so closely with God and other times I don't know where he is? This question, like, why is it that sometimes I, 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 I'm not phased at all by the temptations in my life and yet other times they just feel so oppressive and I can't even get away from them? Why is it that sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm walking so well with him, and then other times I'm just completely on the struggle bus, and I just I feel like the wheels have come off? What, what we're going to see today as we wrap up this conversation on what it looks like and what it means to die to self is what the scripture says is key to walking well with him and the key to avoiding those missteps that we all hate to make, those stumblings back into things, is that it all comes down to what Paul says in the book of Galatians is walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit. And we see this in Galatians chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, turn there with me. Galatians chapter 5. Or pull it up on whatever smart device you have. And if you have neither of those, we'll put it up on the screen for you so you can follow along. But as you're finding it, let me just catch you up to speed really quick. If you haven't been with us so far, we're going to help you catch up right now. We've been talking about this grid that the scriptures give us to help us live out the Christian life as disciples. Live for Christ, die to self, give our lives in service to others. Because here's what the gospel says about you. You were created uniquely by God. You were created to bear his image. And yet though we were placed in the garden in a perfect environment to enjoy a perfect relationship with him, we didn't listen to God. We instead chose our own direction. We broke with God, and when we broke with God, all things broke too. Sin entered. That's that triangle. We're now constrained by sin. The gospel says that all of us are constrained by sin. God, in this moment, though, didn't say, hey, good luck. Figure it out. Clean yourself up. Do good enough, and then come back to me. God instead sent his son to us. Begins this upward relationship where he sends his son to rescue us, and by placing our faith in him, he promises to free us and forever change us. And out of this relationship, the gospels call us live for him, live for Christ. Don't live for the world anymore. Don't live for yourself anymore. Live for Christ. But this upward relationship then also does this inward work. And so we go from up to in, where because of this upward relationship, now we're called to die to self. And we're not just called to die to self, we're given the power to die to self. Because of what Christ has done, we now actually have the ability to walk away from the old, to embrace the new. This is what we've been unpacking for the past several weeks. As we've been unpacking it, we found the gospel calls us to die daily. This isn't like this one thing where Jesus, just this one-time prayer, this one-time salve or vaccination, right? Every day we must die daily. Every day we have to turn away from the old. Every day we have to turn away from those desires and pursue him. What we saw in week two of this is that we don't just have to play defense against sin. We also must actively present your body. We have to present our body to God as instruments of righteousness. So we turn away from the old, but we also take up the new, which led to week three, put off, put on. 
Paul says we got to starve the old. Don't feed it any longer. Don't go back to that. Instead, put on the new and feed that. It's this reoccurring theme in the Gospels that leads us then to this question. Why is it that I feel like I'm doing that and I'm trying to do that, and yet some days I'm so successful at it, and other days I feel like the wheels are coming off? Some days I feel like, yes, I am conquering this in my life. And then five minutes later, it's like, there it is again. Man, I really thought I'd gotten past that today. Paul says the difference and the key is whether we'll walk by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, pick it up with me in verse 16. Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now just stop there with me. Paul's writing in the book of Galatians to the church in Galatia, and his whole letter is really a plea to the church. It's a plea to you and I as well, not just to them. It's a plea that we would not go back to the old way of the law, meaning that we'd not go back to rules and regulations. We'd not go back to trying in and of ourselves. Paul instead says, hey, no, this new life in Christ, it always comes. Hear me say that always comes by faith, not by works, through the Spirit, not through yourself. The whole book of Galatians, I think it's summed up beautifully in Galatians 3, verse 3. Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? We've referenced this before in this segment of dying to self. Hey, this isn't something that God's calling us to do where we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, where we try to be perfect in our own strength. Paul says, no, 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 no. The whole deal is not you using rules and regulations to achieve spiritual maturity. It is always faith, not works, and it's always through the Spirit, not through yourself. So on this then, Paul enters in chapter 5 and he said, but I say, meaning in contrast to you trying to do it on your own, and in contrast to you trying to do it through, through works or effort or self-help, in contrast to that, I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. That word walk in the Greek is this funny little word called peripatete. Peripatete. Sounds hilarious, but it's a really important word. Peripatete doesn't just mean to stroll or, or to walk idly or aimlessly. It's a call to walk in a very particular way, very particular direction. Said that the, uh, the disciples, the followers of Aristotle, were known as peripatetics. Why? Because everywhere Aristotle went, they were like right there, like the, the little ducks after the, the, the mother goose, right? This is what Paul is saying in the scripture. I want you not to walk aimlessly, not idly, you're to walk a very particular direction. Why? Because the Spirit is moving in a particular direction. And I want you to follow where He is going. 
That's what Paul's communicating. The Spirit's moving in a very particular direction, and you need to follow Him. And by the way, the Spirit is not moving in the direction of self. Spirit's not moving in the direction of self. That's why you've got to keep in step with Him and walk by the Spirit. Because He's going to lead you away from that. The Spirit is not leading you in the direction of self. He's not leading you in the direction of self-gratification. Spirit's not leading you to your best life now. What's God's best for you? Not leading you to love yourself. God can do it better. Not leading you to be happy, kind of do your own thing. You do you. No, 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 no. The Spirit is always leading us in a direction where it's all about the glory of God and conforming you to look more like Him. And so Paul says, I want you to walk by the Spirit because His way is particular and His way will lead you someplace better. And this is why he says in verse 17, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. The two are in opposition to one another. These two, they're like magnets that are polarized, like reversed. They They just don't work together. The Spirit and the flesh don't work together. So you need to walk by the Spirit because that's going to lead you in a direction where you're not going to fall back into the flesh all the time. And listen to the promise in that. Again, the promise of verse 16. The promise of verse 16 is that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh if you walk by the Spirit. There's a promise in that. You will not do this, he's saying. Really? Because I feel like I'm always tripping. I feel like I'm always stumbling back into that. He said, yeah, yeah, but, but if you walk by the Spirit in his particular direction, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. That word desires in Greek is, is cravings. You won't succumb to the cravings of your flesh. You ever have one of those late night cravings and, and it just gets in your brain and, and it, it won't get off your brain? The kids are in bed and you're watching that movie and you're having a little me time and then that craving hits. And you know what would be good right now in this movie? This movie has Cheetos written all over it, right? You ever have one of those late night cravings and you're sitting there and all of a sudden you realize you're no longer really following the plot of the movie. You're thinking about the pantry. Because you know that, that this week you bought a big old box of all these lunch-sized bag of chips, and there's Cheetos in there. And you know how many bags are in there, and there's so many bags in there that you could take one bag of Cheetos, and no one would know. Y'all, this is an analogy. This was Wednesday for me. I'm, I'm dead up serious on this. And here's the thing. The more you stew on that, the more you justify it. So Wednesday, I'm like, but I ran this morning. <laughs> and better to eat the Cheetos today when I ran than tomorrow when is my day off. All right? Guess what I ate on Wednesday? Yeah, Cheetos. And another bag of something else. Because once you stew on it, you begin to justify it. And then when you justify it, you begin to gratify it. Oh, and it's one thing with Cheetos in the pantry. It's another thing when it's gossip on our lips. I know I shouldn't have this conversation. I know it was told to me in in privacy, but you will not believe. It's another thing when it's a screen that we know we shouldn't be staring at and we know we should put it away and turn it off. It's another thing when it's the desires of our heart that go against everything that we know God wants for us. Paul's saying, hey, there is a way to not give in to those cravings, but it's by walking by the flesh. 
Because here's the thing, the more you stew on it, the more you justify it. And, and the scriptures teach us this, and I think you know this already. Giving into those things never leads you to the place that you want to be. And giving into those things never leads you to become the person that you want to be. God's trying to redirect us because he loves us, he cares for us, and he has something better for us. Paul, in the wake of this, in verses 19 to 21, he outlines then what these desires, these cravings are. Really clearly, this huge list, the works of the flesh are evident, and then poof, he spews them all out. Now, I think reading this, we all know this is not an exhaustive list of all of the sins, and that's not really Paul's point. Paul's point was not to list out all of the sins. That would have been a huge letter, Right? And so he's not looking to list out all the sins, which means if you found something on there that, that you do that's a craving for you, but he didn't list it, you're not off the hook. His point was not to list all of the sins. Each of Paul's letters, he has a different list for different churches because he's writing to a particular group of people in a particular time, challenging them on things that they struggle with in their, in their context, right? So Paul's point in this is not just to list out everything under the sun, but everything not here is okay for you to do. No, 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 that's not the point. Paul's point in this is, hey, you got to walk by the Spirit because the flesh will lead you to a place that's contrary to the kingdom. That's the point. The flesh will lead you to a place that's contrary to the kingdom. And when we read this list, we get a really good sense. Yeah, that's, that's contrary to the kingdom. Yeah, that, that, that's not good. I, I don't want to be that. His point is, hey, these things are contrary to the kingdom of God. And so here's the thing. Your only hope to live for Christ and your only hope to die to self is through a constant surrender to the Spirit. Constant surrender to the Spirit. We're going to see here the verb tenses we talked about last week, this ongoing, keep at it kind of sense. He's saying, hey, walk by the Spirit. Not just one time. You don't just get up one time and do this and you're set for life. No, keep walking by Him. The only hope for you to live for Christ and die to self is by a constant, constant surrendering to the Spirit. Lord, there's that thought. I don't want to have that thought about that person. I don't want to have that thought about that thing. God, I'm surrendering that to you now. Five minutes later. Oh, there's that thought again. Man, Lord, why am I thinking about that again? I don't want to stew on that conversation. I want to leave that in the past. So God, I'm giving that thought to you. Fifteen minutes later. Oh, man, why is my brain back on that? Lord, rescue me. This is the walk of a daily disciple. That our only hope for this walk and our only hope for pursuing Jesus, for living for Christ, the dying to self, is that moment by moment, we are constantly surrendering these things back to the Spirit. God, I don't want this. I don't want this. I'm giving it to you. Rescue me. Redirect me. Help me to walk where you would have me walk. The question, of course, is, man, how do we do this? Like, practically speaking, tell, tell me how to do this. We can't understand how to do it without where Paul goes next, because a big key of that is found in the next few verses. So pick it up with me in verse 22. But, again, he's going to paint a contrast. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So Paul, again, in these contrasts that he's doing throughout the book, uh, 
works versus faith, self versus spirit. Hey, these are the, the deeds and the works of the flesh. And now, but these, this is the fruit of the spirit. So I've given you a really good picture of what it's like to, to stumble and fall back into the old self. Now Paul's saying, let me give you the picture of what it is to have what God wants for you. The fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But I think the key in this is that word fruit, fruit. We come into this list and we immediately start fixating on the list and we're like, okay, okay, I, I get it, I get it, Paul. Like the way for me to get past the other stuff and the other list, the works of the flesh, is that I just need more love. I just need more joy. I just need more patience. Yes, if I had patience, then I wouldn't be angry. If I had self-control, I wouldn't be you know, whatever from the previous list. And we focus on the fruit. I don't think that was Paul's intent here at all. Let me tell you why I think that. Here's the thing. Fruit is a byproduct of what you are rooted in. The way we get good fruit is by focusing on good soil. Think about it from this standpoint. If you want to grow apples, you have an apple tree, you don't focus on the apples. What do you focus on? The tree and where it's planted. You focus on the soil, you focus on its roots, you focus on, is it getting the right nutrition, nutrients, sunlight, watering schedule, right? You focus on what's happening with the tree in the hopes that it will yield, at some point, fruit. So hear me say this, because here's the key. Roots before fruit. Roots before fruit. This is Paul's whole argument in, in the book of Galatians. We get so focused on the fruit. Like, I just need to be more patient. And then I'd be a better husband. Then I'd be a better wife. Then I'd be like a nicer individual, more self-control. And then I wouldn't keep falling back into that sin. Roots before fruit. See, if we focus on the fruit and think we just need it, I just need more of that, we undermine the entire context of the book. This is why context is so important when we study. Because again, what's Paul's context? It's not about you and your work. It's about the Spirit and God's ability to meet you in these moments and lead you, if you would just walk after him, lead you to a better place. And the better place he promises, love, joy, peace, patience, onward. This is why then he goes on and he says, hey, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Have crucified past tense. As we've seen already in the series, if you follow Jesus, if you placed your faith in Jesus, the old life is crucified. The old life of sin and death has been broken. It no longer has power over you. So we talked about it. it's not just an identity shift that you move from being enemies to friends or, or aliens and foreigners to citizens of heaven. It's not just that identity has shifted, power has shifted too. And in that power shift, you no longer have to obey that. You no longer have to go back to that. You are no longer bound in those chains. You are free not to obey the old way, but free to follow and walk in the Spirit into a new way. So if you place your faith in Jesus, know that. that God is saying that is true about you. You are free and you no longer have to listen to that old voice and go back to that old thing. 
Then he says in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, then let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul's saying, hey, the Spirit is moving, and he's always moving. And he's always seeking to lead you closer to God and further away from the past, further away from sin, further away from flesh. But you gotta keep up. Keep in step is this phrase, this term that has military connotation in Paul's day and age. Think about it. So many of you are in the military or were in the military. You went to basic training. It was one of the very first things that they did, right? Very first thing. They taught you how to line up. Boom. There it is. There it is, right? It's like, you're going to teach me to walk? Really? I came to the military to learn how to walk? You're going to fall in. You're going to get in order. And we're going to start marching together. And from moment one, even before you've been dressed in physique, from moment one, they start this up. And all of early time and basic is all about this. Route step, quick time, double time, all of this. They're not worried about you getting left behind on base. They're worried about you being able to follow orders and you getting left behind in a predicament where you need protection. Listen to what Paul's saying. There is a war. It's a war against flesh. You can't afford, you can't afford to trail behind because the one who's here to lead you and guide you and protect you, you got to keep up with him. It's your only hope because if you keep up with him, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. But man, if you take your eyes off of Jesus and you stop walking in the spirit, then we're right back. We're right back. And it happens so quickly, doesn't it? It happens so quickly. We've overlaid some theology in this too, by the way. It can sound so much in this, like we're just talking again about works, and this is self-help, and Drew, you're like, you're confusing, because one minute you're saying it's all about God, and then the next minute you're telling me that I got to do something too, right? Here's the thing. So we've, we've, we've outlined some theology in this. Remember our triangle again? Well, that upward live for Christ, we talked about justification, where God does a work, he changes you, right? That's justification. But we've been talking about this inward work is sanctification. But here's the thing with sanctification, it is absolutely all of God's power, but he's inviting you to join in and keep in step. But don't get confused on this. Borrowing the words from my friend Adam here, it's the difference between effort and earning. You're not trying to earn anything from God, but make no mistake, the gospel calls you to some effort. I mean, make no mistake, Paul is saying, walk by the Spirit, keep in step. He wouldn't say that if we weren't so prone to get out of step and fall behind and listen to the flesh instead of his voice. It's not about earning. This is about you earning anything from God. You earn more favor. You earn more stripes. You earn whatever. No, no, no. But don't confuse earning and effort. There is a call. Live for Christ. Die to self. Give your life in service to others. But you've got to keep up because the very power available to you requires you being attentive to him. So here's the call in this. Being rooted in the Spirit leads to the fruit of the Spirit. If that list of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, you want more patience in your life, you want more peace in your life, well, being rooted in the Spirit is what leads to the fruit of the Spirit. And it does absolutely call you to do something. It does absolutely call you to pay attention to how you walk through your day and to keeping in step with the Spirit, not falling behind. Walking by his power and his strength, not under your own. 
But again, again, what does that look like, though? I mean, really? How do, you, how do you walk by something you can't see? How do you keep in step with the Spirit? So very practically here, let's dive in on a very practical level here and put flesh on this. Let's put feet on it for a moment. What does it look like? I'll give you five, uh, four things just as we close. First and foremost, you have to be in the Word. Now, there's a pastor again telling me to be in the Word. Of course you've got to say that. It's like probably in your contract or something, right? Like, be in the Word. You're always pushing the Word. Like, that's going to just make me walk in the Spirit? Well, listen, 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 listen. The more you read the Word of God, the more you are able to recognize the voice of God. This is why the Scriptures call us to be in the Word. The more you read the Word of God, the more you're able to recognize and hear the voice of God. Think about it this way, right? Let's say that after you've gone to basic and you learn how to like walk in a row, you get recruited to be a super secret spy or something, right? You have a mission. They give you a target. They want you to go identify this person. So they give you all this information to study about this person so that when you're out in the field, when they send you overseas, you find them, you know them, you recognize them immediately. So what are you going to do? You're going to study everything in that brief. You're going to listen to every audio. You're going to look at all the pictures. You're going to look at all the video. You are going to learn this like the back of your hand so that when you're in the field in a foreign country and you see that person or you hear that voice, you're like, boom, that's it. That's my contact. That's my target. Whatever it is, right? This is what the scripture is saying. You want to walk by the Spirit? You have got to get into this so much so that when you hear the voice of the Spirit in the middle of all of the noise, you're like, oh, that's the Spirit. I need to be over there. Oh, that's the spirit. I'm in the wrong spot. And so that in the midst of the moment, you're like, oh, that's the flesh. The spirit's not calling me any more Cheetos. (laughs) Because the flesh will tell us all kinds of things. How do we know the difference? By getting to know the real voice. The more we know the real voice, the more we can filter and discern what is true and not true, who is true and who is not true. I had someone push on me a little bit on this recently. He was like, yeah, that's great for you because like, you like to study. I mean, clearly you like to study and I've heard you talk about it. You like to study and, and you're an introvert and you stay home and you got your books and this is just how you're wired. God wired you this way. So of course, like it works for you, but I'm not wired that way. So that doesn't work for me. I work through other disciplines. Like I need other things because I'm like, you're academic. I'm not like you're introvert. I'm an extrovert. You're a runner. You talk about all your disciplines disciplines with running. I'm not a runner. I'm a sitter. I don't know whatever the opposite of running is, right? <laughs> like, and, and they were pushing back on me. Like, that's you, and that's good for you, because that's how God's wired you. Time out for a moment. There is a fallacy and a lie that we believe in the church, and is that somehow these spiritual disciplines are written, and this discipline of being in the Word is written for people of a certain personality type. And it's a fallacy. It's a lie. Go through the scriptures, and you will find not a single time when we're called to hide the word in our hearts or pursue God through his word, not a single time is that attached to any personality type or any kind of individual. It is a blanket command and a blanket statement for every child of God, period. And the reason God gives it to us is because 
these are the words of life. You want life? Life isn't just for one personality type. Life is for all those that God longs to save. You want hope and peace? You want a light for your path? A light for your path isn't just for the introvert academics. It's for anyone who's feeling lost and confused. You ever feel lost and confused? God says, hear my voice. Second then is pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Not only we be in the word, we're to pray without ceasing. Again, this is taken from the scriptures, but here's the deal. We have to be asking all of the time, all through the day for God's direction. And it's not like you have 30-minute prayer sessions, right? It's just simple prayers. I call them flare prayers. Like as I'm walking into a meeting, Lord, help me have your thoughts. Help me give your wisdom, not mine. God, help me get out of the way in this. Help me not be bullish in this meeting. Help me not be frustrated by this situation. I am praying constantly. Not perfectly, mind you. I mean, there's plenty of times like, oh, I really wish I would have prayed before that meeting. And then it's like after the meeting when everything's blowing up, you're like, why is this so hard? It's like, oh yeah, Jesus isn't in it. I've been handling it on my own. I've been handling it in my own strength, my own self, my own flesh. This is why it's so important, why the scriptures say, pray without ceasing. God, I'm jumping in the car and I'm heading home. And I know when I get home, the kids are going to be crazy. The the dog is going to be crazy. Right? Like everything's going to be crazy and I'm going to need to serve. I'm going to need to give and I have nothing left. So, so Jesus, I need you. Pray every moment of every day and invite the Spirit in. God, help me to hear your voice. Help me to have what I don't have right now. I don't know if I can go another service, God. I need your energy for this next service. Caffeine, not good enough sometimes. Praying without ceasing. Third thing, recognize bad fruit. Recognize bad fruit. One of the best ways that you know you're walking in the Spirit is just by recognizing what fruit is happening right now in the moment. If you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling impatient, that's bad fruit. That's also an indication you're not walking with the Spirit right now. So what do you do in that moment? You turn around and you invite the Spirit in. It's as easy and quick as that. Like, why am I feeling so frustrated by this conversation? Why am I being so agitated? Why did I snap at my kid? All they wanted was Cheetos. Am I feeling defensive? They're mine? Like, we, we recognize that bad fruit. We, in, in that moment, so take every thought, thought captive in that moment. Lord, I don't want to be impatient. Like, hey, 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 come back, come back, come back. I'm so sorry. I, I responded poorly. That's, I shouldn't have come off like that. Like, what do you want? I, I, I'm sorry. It's not how I intended it to come across. And then we invite the Spirit. Lord, give me the Spirit of patience. Give me your Spirit. Give me your words. Give me your life in this moment. When we recognize bad fruit, we're able in that moment to take it captive and to surrender it and invite the Spirit to change us. One of the easiest ways to figure out how to walk with the Spirit is just by recognizing that because then you very quickly recognize, I'm not in the right. And last, be faithful to little nudges. Be faithful to little nudges. I think sometimes we we think and we expect that God shows up in huge things like big neon signs to answer all of the biggest questions like, God, do I go to this school or that school? Like, do I stay? Do I go? The scriptures show over and over. And yes, God does show up like that many times. But more often and more frequently, he is always at work in little nudges. In the book of 1 Kings, when Elijah is invited up on a mountain to meet with God, says that first a wind came, but God was not in the wind. Then an earthquake came and began to shake everything, and God was not in the earthquake. And then fire, 
God was not in the fire. And when all of that dissipated, 1 Kings says, that then in the midst of the stillness, God spoke, and he spoke in a whisper. God spoke in a whisper. After all of the noise, all of the commotion, Elijah had to still himself to hear the voice of God. I think so often we don't slow down enough. We don't lower the volume of everything else. We get so busy and we forget that God speaks in whispers, little nudges. And here's the thing. When you feel the little nudge, obey it. Obey it. Just do it. Because here's what Jesus says. He who's faithful with little will be given much. If you can't be faithful with a little nudge, I'm not sure God is going to let you pass go and collect $200 to the big nudge as to, like, which school do I go to? He's like, well, you didn't even consult me about the conversation you had two seconds ago. Right? Like, you didn't even listen to me when I was trying to rein you in. So, so let's go back and fix that, right? Be faithful with little. This is something that I, I live out. I try. I don't do it perfectly. But trying to embrace this idea of surrendering to the Spirit in every moment of life, even to the point on my runs, I'll get up in the morning. I've been living in this neighborhood for 10 years now, 10 and a half years. Like, I could just walk out the door and start running and not even think about it, just go on cruise control. But I've realized that even in my running, I need the Spirit, and I need God to be directing me. And when I invite God in, I find that God actually has an agenda, even on my runs. There there are times and moments when He wants me to come across people And when I'm aware of that and I'm inviting him into that, he does incredible things. This week, I set up for a run and I just invited God, God, would you direct me? Where do you want me to go on this run? And if there's someone that you'd have me pray over, if there's something you'd bring to my mind to pray about, or if there's someone even physically that you want me to minister to, God, I am listening to you. And the next thing I know, I turn this corner and I'm running up a hill. And up at the top of the hill, I see a guy ahead of me and I hear, I just get this sense, this nudge, right? Like, there, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is. What, 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 right? Well, you just asked if anyone, there it is. So I'm always looking for an excuse to stop running on a hill anyways. I'm like, okay. And so I, I get up to this guy and I realize as I get closer, this is one of my neighbors. In a pandemic where we're all distance after a week where we've all been shut in our house because of a freeze, right? This is a great opportunity And this is a guy that God has been bringing to mind again and again. I haven't been able to figure out why. So I've just started praying for him. And so here I am as I'm running, and there he is. Because why? I asked the Lord to direct my steps. Now, I could ignore that. "Ah, That's just me. That's just me. But he who's faithful and little will be given much. So I stopped. And we walked. And we talked. And I just took the posture of God, tell me what to say. Is there something you want me to speak into? And we had this great conversation. And in that moment, I just took up this posture of, hey, God, whatever you would have me say, whatever you would have me do, and it was ministry in the moment by walking. The the even cooler thing to that is that the rest of the day, things start dominoing, right? And there's phone calls, and there's urgencies, and there's this marriage situation, and all of this. I would not have been in the right frame of mind to navigate any of those clearly with the Spirit had I not started my day in that posture and been faithful with little. And having been faithful with little, I found I was praying throughout the day and God just kept directing and God just kept delivering. Sometimes we get so, so, so worried about this. Like, well, what if I do it wrong? What if I don't hear him right and I do the wrong thing? You think God can handle you getting something a little bit wrong? 
He actually specializes in you getting a lot of things wrong. We get so worried about doing something wrong and hearing him wrong that we don't do anything. He's saying, just come, just come. Keep up with me because I want to lead you someplace beautiful. Man, when we take walks as a family, I'm always you know, frustrated with my kids because they're always lagging behind. They're always going off and looking at other things. They're like, come on, keep up, keep up, keep up. Years and years ago, we took them to Disney. I remember walking up to Disney, right? Walking up to Disney. And one of my kids is like, Dad, look at this. And I look around. They're like looking at the landscaping. They're like looking at landscaping. Like, look at this. Because right, there's Disney things in the landscaping, and they hide all these things. Like they've got Easter eggs all over. Not literal Easter eggs, but like those little hiding things that you find them and recognize. Oh, that's a reference to a movie. That's this. That's so cool. Like, and we're walking in, and the kids are like fascinated by something. And we're not even in the park yet. Like, Dad, look at this. I'm like, yeah, rock. Disney rock. Man. I'm like, guys, keep up. You have no idea what's on the other side of that gate. You have no idea the glory that's on the other side once we enter. You have no idea, and you have no idea how much it cost me to get you over there. And you're looking at a rock. Oh, man, Jesus, I think. It's like, guys, keep up with me. You have no idea what I'm trying to lead you to. You have no idea the life, the joy, the peace that I have for you. And we're over here like, Jesus, Jesus, look. Look at the rock. Jesus, look at the White House. Jesus, look at the politics. Jesus, look at what this person said to me. Jesus, look at what they wrote on Facebook. Jesus, look at how they hurt me. Say, you have no idea how much I paid to get you through that gate. Why are you focused on that? Keep up with me because I have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control for you. I have the words that are life for you and you're settling, settling for stewing in this. And it doesn't help you. It doesn't heal you. It only continues to make you feel trapped. But I die and I would set you free and you'd be free indeed. So walk with me. Keep in step with me because where I'm leading you, where I'm leading you, if you'll trust me, is beautiful. Oh, that we would just surrender that we would listen to his voice, that we'd seek to keep up with what God is doing. So can we just posture ourselves in that right now? And quietly where you are, here or at home, can I just invite you? Would you just very sincerely in this brief moment posture yourself before him? Just say, Father, I confess, man, I, I walk slow. I don't keep up. I get so distracted. Would you just invite him to convict you, to, to highlight some of those distractions? And as he does, would you just surrender those back to him right now?
Father God, I confess for how often I fly at the speed of light through my day and fail to, to pray and invite you into the simple, small moments. And how often, oh God, how often I've missed your beautiful work because I'm settling for just trying to keep up with my own. Lord, I pray over my brothers and sisters. I pray, Father, would you amplify your voice in their ear? Would you amplify the voice of your spirit and make it clear to them where you are leading this week? And would they, Father, be sensitive enough to you to slow down, to be in your word, to invite your voice by praying to you? Would they be faithful in the little so that they can see you, Father, not only in the little but in the big? Lord, we confess we need you. We confess, God, that we are so quick and so prone to choosing our own direction. So, Father, forgive us yet again and teach us to keep in step with you. And we ask it for your glory and for our good as you conform us more and more to the image of Jesus Christ all God's people said. Amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God is moving through this series, visit nebc.ch contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media or by subscribing to our weekly podcast. You can also stay up to date with the latest information about what's going on here at Northeast by subscribing to the Northeast News, our periodic newsletter that comes right to your inbox to keep you in the know. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope that you join us as we continue to make disciples on mission for Jesus Christ.